Welcome to the Gold Standard, St. Patrick's Day edition here on the 440 Sports Network. We are both technically wearing green. Uh, my name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And my name is Michael Gallagher. You can follow me on Twitter at MGSports underscore. Look, listen, it's my brother's birthday today, so happy birthday, little brother. Also, my five-year-old, six-year-old daughters both forced me to wear green. What's your excuse, sir? <laughs> I was trying to continue the trend of not wearing black. There we go. I appreciate that. And also, the Predators have given a lot of people you know, the feeling that this might not be a funeral after all. Um, they're playing pretty good hockey, 8-3-1 and one, uh, since February 20th. Uh, only one of those was a regulation win, but they did beat a Western Conference playoff team. Uh, and then they choked it all away technically against Chicago on Thursday night. But they have a huge one coming up against Winnipeg. We don't spend a lot of time on this show, Michael, sort of debating and discussing singular games and how teams played in singular games and you know singular matchups. Uh, but this Chicago-Winnipeg tandem here uh, on a Thursday-Saturday is as important as it gets for this team because they're kind of in full-on playoff mode at this point. Only four points back at, at time of taping on Friday morning with three games in hand. And a huge one against Winnipeg coming up. Tommy Novak's on an absolute tear. Has he earned his way into the top six? We'll kind of get your thoughts, Michael, on what the top six could look like. Who has earned a spot through all of this or who could earn a spot in the starting lineup next season? I think the most important question is how does this team play over the final month of the season impact the way we and Barry Trotz and David Poyle evaluate John Hines, the head coach. I think it's the most important thing outside of do they make the playoffs, I think is is a question about John Hines and his future because that's still very much up in the air. A lot of mistakes and missed opportunities against an arch rival on Thursday. Um, they've got the second toughest schedule, so we'll dive into that, what that looks like and some of these young players and who could prove their way onto the roster next season. But And also a, a viewership conversation, as I know a lot of you are – Concerned about how to watch the games. Bally Sports filed for bankruptcy. Uh, the Predators put out a statement. Um, I've done some digging on this. I've got some TV ratings information that I think is really important for people to understand just how many people are watching these Preds games um, and sort of the motivations for both not just the NHL and the Preds, but also Major League Baseball and the NBA. Kind of It all works together in this giant media rights puzzle that is uh, Bally Sports and, and going Diamond Sports going bankrupt. So we'll get to all that today on the show. Otherwise... Uh, let's remind everybody, Michael, that yes. the gold standard is yes. brought to you by the great people over at Jasper's. Wonderful. Well done, sir. It is, it, they are great people. Many... I'm say, I, I prefer our ads to I was listening to the radio yesterday and they were broadcasting from Jasper's. They did a terrible job of selling Jasper's. I think we do a great job of that. <laughs> Michael, you're not setting the bar all that high. OK, <laughs> <laughs> that um, is true. But if you they do, they have they had great watch party for the NCAA tournament this weekend. So depending on when you're listening to this, you loyal listeners on a Friday, go to Jasper's and set up shop, of course, and and uh, watch watch basketball all weekend long. Preds games, still great specials, uh, home and road, $10 smash burgers, $3 beers anytime the Preds are playing. So Winnipeg on Saturday night, huge game. If you can't get in, uh, you don't want to go downtown. You got free parking and you could get three beers and a burger for less than 20 bucks at Jasper's while watching your game. And you can play a free air hockey, free shuffleboard. Uh, the menu is fantastic. I have been to Bridgestone Arena, strangely, a few times lately for some concerts. Um, I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> um, but the food is atrocious at Bridgestone Arena. <laughs> I know they try hard to, to, to innovate every year, but Jasper's food is so much better, and the parking is free, and uh, the game room is there, which is awesome. They got the big screen going for basketball and for the Preds stuff. So go to Jasper's, everybody. Sound good? Sounds great. 
There you go. Uh, okay, so mate, like since we last spoke, it, it's been a bit of a weird ride for the Preds. Like I said, eight three and one, and hockey is so cool because you can always just spin numbers however you want. There's always you pick pick a pick a data set, pick a time limit, and you can find kind of the numbers how you want them. Eight three and one, as I said, but only one of those wins has been a regulation win. And since the last time we were on. They had a 2-1 two, two, win against in a shootout over the Kings, so basically a 1-1 game. They had a 5-4 overtime win against Anaheim, a terrible team on the road. Uh, they beat Detroit 2-1, but they go 0-5 on the power play, and then they lose to Chicago with you know clearly being the better team, but just a ton of mistakes, like the 2-on-0 breakaway that Fabro makes a mistake on his own blue line and then has to make up for it and makes it... You know, they can't even capitalize on the, on the penalty shot where a goalie throws his stick, like... Yossi has a huge turnover behind his own net, like a really mistake-prone game and an opportunity to continue to play well and build points and catch the Jets, obviously with a huge game coming up on Saturday. So I, I guess my first question to you is how they've played lately. They still only have five wins all season against Western Conference playoff teams. That was the, the win against the Kings on the road, which was solid. Um, but they've, lo they've lost 10 of those games, and they have four overtime losses. So 5-10-4 against Western Conference playoff teams so far this season. What, what are, they, are they a young team getting lucky? Are they a young team beating bad teams? Are they a young team running out of gas? Or are they a young team trying to find themselves? What, what, how do you view this little stretch of Preds hockey lately? Yes, all of it, yes. <laughs> it's, it's a mix of everything you, you just said. And I... I yeah, they, they have been stringing some win, some wins together, and I don't want to be Mister Negative. Um, I, really, I think their their last impressive win was a six four win over New Jersey. I think at the end of January. I mean, you look at the teams they've been beating lately: the Flyers, the Panthers, the Canucks, the Sharks, Arizona, Florida, Chicago, L.A. Was I guess you can count that as an impressive win, but it was just kind of a to me it was a boring game. It was a two one shootout win. Than Anaheim and Detroit. So you're, you're stringing all these wins together against the teams you should be beating. Yes, it's nice that they've went on a run, that they're more than just one or two games above 500 now. Yes, they're only four points out of the playoff spot, and I, and I get that. But I would be a little bit more optimistic if they had a, a win over Seattle or Boston in there or maybe Vegas or something like that. But I think you're, the stretch has been fine. We're really going to find out what this Predators team is and if they are capable of making that run. Now, this is what, uh, is what I said a couple weeks ago. This was a stretch I was pointing to, starting with Winnipeg. Then you have the Rangers, Buffalo, two against Seattle, Toronto, Boston. Like, it's just a murderer's row to end the season. You may catch a break at the end because you have – Winnipeg may be out of it by, by the last couple games. Then you have Calgary. They may be out of it as well. Minnesota and Colorado we think they're going to make the playoffs. They may be not icing a full, a full team in the last couple games. So you may – Catch a break here and there, but <clears throat> excuse me. I really think that this is the stretch we're going to find out what the Predators are are made of, and if they are a legit playoff team. And if you're a fan, this is what you want. You you, you did your your selling. You were in sell sell mode. You got rid of some pieces. I think getting rid of Granlin was highly understated how important that was because he was just not playing well. You get back a second round pick. That was a great move. You get and, some, and, a, some, and a lot of money. Still, still more money in term on his contract than people realize. Yeah, and we were told the whole reason Phil Tomasino was in the AHL was because there was no top six spot for him. Getting rid of Granlin opened that spot for him. Right. Tommy Novak playing as well as he has. Igor Afanasiev got called up. Um, we're getting a look at some of the young guys that potentially could be on this roster next year. And look, you sold your pieces. You got back your draft capital. You got back a, a pretty good prospect. You you kind of set things up for the future, uh, giving Barry Trotz a lot of ammunition to go out and work with in the offseason. 
And this team, for the most part, has has basically been the same. It's played just as as well. It's had a couple of games that they, they like last night against Chicago. They should have won that game. Um, but yeah, like this is this is I guess best case scenario for the for if you're a Preds fan. Now you got rid of some of the guys that were underperforming. The team is more entertaining to watch. It's fun to go to games again. I've seen a lot of people say this is the most invested I've been in this team in three years. I think it's because there's the mystique of chasing the playoffs. How is this? Because we don't know how this team is going to perform in the playoffs. The team, the the pre-trade deadline team, they would have got boat race in the playoffs. This team, maybe they're scrappy enough to take a game or two against somebody like a Vegas or Dallas or something like that. If you get in and you get a you get a team like kind of like Calgary last year, we were like, oh, if the Predators would have got Calgary instead of Colorado, they would have probably won that series. Who knows what happens? So I think this is this is what you want if you're a Preds fan. It's fun to watch games. Um, there's, there's some optimism around the team. I mean, I mean, if you get into the playoffs, you're watching some playoff hockey, great for, for the fans. You have some draft picks for, for next year, great for the fans. I think it's a good it's a good time to be a Predators fan, and we haven't really said that, gosh, in what, three or four years. Well, I, and I think we said it last week, like what were the best case scenario for the draft lottery and what were the best case scenarios for actually good hockey? And I think it's because you're playing with no pressure. You're playing with house money. You, you've said to the world that you're selling and building for the future. And so now anything that happens on top of that is just house money. Like you're just playing with house money. And, and that's and when the team has performed the best is when the pressure has been off. Like when right. they made the playoff series and they beat Chicago and went on to get to the Stanley Cup, there was no pressure on them because no one expected no. them to be there that year. No, and and I think um, – and I do want to get – you mentioned some young guys that are playing really well. Tommy Novak's on an absolute tear, so I want to get to him. Um, and and said, or, again, who who are these guys? But I want to point out, go back to what you – the stretch of games that you've talked about because this is really – it's not just like are they going to make the playoffs. The, the game against Winnipeg is going to tell us a lot. If they come out and they are, you know, full, full guns blazing, pick a cliche, right? Like balls to the wall, just flying around the ice, just pick a cliche. And they are playing with intentionality and – physicality and just take the fight to a Jets team that is teetering right now around the ring to use a boxing reference. Um, and they play well at home against the Jets. That's that is going to tell us a lot about what we could see over the final 19 games. But to point out your or 16 games, I should say the, the here's the point, though, in those 16 games, only three of them are not playoff teams. Yeah. And, and eight of them are Western Conference playoff teams. 13 of their final 16 are against playoff current playoff teams. And there's not really a lot of changes, which is really weird about this year is that there's not, there's not a lot of potential movement. I mean, other than Nashville or Calgary jumping up and taking the Winnipeg slot, seven out of the eight are basically set in the Western conference. And the Eastern conference is not all that, that different either. It was even worse last year, but this is when we're going to find out, like we're going to find out about these young players. We're going to find out about John Hines. We're going to find out about the power play which has shown some signs of life of late, although 0 for 7 in their last two games, so right back down to earth. Um, at least they're not like 30th and 31st in power play and goals scored anymore. They're more like 26th, I think, in the league in both of those categories. Um, so they've, they've, they've shown some mild improvement and they've collected some points, but again, against some bad teams. I thought the Chicago game was a complete missed opportunity because it was a mis- it, the mistakes... You can't if you want to try to make this crazy push to the playoffs, which I'm all in on, by the way. Now, I am all in on like go to the playoffs. Like, let's let's see what this team can do. Put the young guys out there. Let's see what Heinz can do. Let's see what the power play can do. Let's go chase down the Jets. Let's take a playoff spot and show everybody that, hey, maybe this team isn't as far away. Maybe what David Poyle said at the press conference that they could be competitive next year isn't as far off as we think. Oh, by the way, Philip Forsberg is coming back soon. Yusuf Parson and Alex Carrier could be back for a playoff run as well. Like we're 
we're in a situation where this team could look very different in two weeks as well. So I'm all, I think the best case scenario we laid out last week about this team randomly making a playoff push after selling all of its pieces. I'm all in on it, man. I think fans should be all in on it. Clearly they are, as you pointed out, they're more invested than ever before, but we're going to learn a lot about everybody, everybody in the next 16 games, because it is murderers row of a schedule against the real teams in the NHL. You're throwing these young guys out there. You've got a coach who's got to prove himself as well. We're going to learn everything we need to know about a a lot of this hockey team and the entire organization over the course of the next month or so. I, I, I wanted to still be on record that I think the best thing to do is to get the higher draft pick than to make the playoffs. <laughs> just, just being a reasonable human being, it's better for this the future of this franchise to miss the playoffs, have a higher draft pick, draft a better player. But I understand the the whole we want the playoffs now because three weeks ago it didn't seem possible. It didn't seem likely. It seemed like okay, I think they were seven points out of out of the final wild card spot. It just seemed like, okay, David Poyle is just going to run this thing into the ground until somehow he he leaves or whatever. And then once he announced that he was stepping down, that was like a flip head switch in the fan base. And there was more optimism around everything. They're like, okay, even if we miss the playoffs this year, it's fine because Poyle's gone. We have next year to look forward to. Then they started trading some people. Then they started winning some games. So I understand from a fan, yes, absolutely. From a fan's perspective, you should want playoff hockey. There's nothing in the world like playoff hockey. But... I, I still am adamant that the best thing for the franchise is a higher draft pick and a better player. But I, I see both sides and we're this is just something we're gonna we're just gonna disagree on until the end of time. No, we don't we don't disagree. I understand your point. Logically, you are correct. The question now though is because they've collected so many points and have games in hand, like how bad could they actually get? Like if they lost like pretty damn bad. If you I, look at their schedule, yeah, but I you mean, have but you have to lose like almost all 16 games to even just jump down like four or five spots like have you seen their schedule that's very possible (laughs) take take out the two winnipeg games because winnipeg has lost i think 11 of their last 14 you have one against buffalo one against the rangers two against seattle toronto boston pittsburgh i know st louis game is probably a win dallas vegas carolina minnesota colorado tell me where there's a win in there but st louis can't be a win if you're going to move up in the draft lottery you have to lose to st louis that's what i'm trying to say like i think they've collected too much they've almost been too good in the last i think last night showed us Chicago is terrible. Chicago is worse than St. Yeah, Louis. I think last night showed us that they can, they're still capable of losing to the teams. They should be beating. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm not, I'm not trying to just come in here and crap all over everybody, but I'm saying no, no, like no, no. their ladder, the final 16 games, I see maybe th- four wins, best case scenario, four wins. Go so to Jasper's. Yeah. Go to Jasper's. Go to Jasper's everybody and watch them lose every time. If you're losing 12 out of 16, your final 16 games, I think that makes a pretty good case for being close to the top 10 of the draft. Look, you are completely right that there's a good chance they lose a bunch of these games. And as, and if you see this, if you see it start to slip away, like if they lose to win, especially if they don't look good against Winnipeg on Saturday, if they don't look good against Winnipeg on Saturday against a team that's teetering on the brink of falling apart and you lose at home and then you lose like four out of five or four out of six. And it's clear that you've you, the schedule has caught up with the young players, right? which is very possible, and I'm telling, I, I totally agree with you that that's not the worst thing for the team. It's probably the best thing for the team. But I'm also okay with people just, like we said last week, I'm all in on the playoffs. I think it would be fun. But that two weeks of fun in one series against the top seed in the Western Conference, which probably results in a playoff loss, like how much, like you need to get to at least six games for it to be worth it, and you would need a brilliant UC Soros in the process. If they were to lose five out of seven, four out of six, whatever, and the wheels start to come off, 
then yes, I want you to bench your best players. I don't want Philip Forsberg to come back. I want you to try to actively lose hockey games, which is very hard to do in professional sports in any sport. So, uh, okay. So I, say, say it, they make it, it the absolutely playoffs. happen. Say they make the playoffs and they get swept by Dallas in the first round. Uh, how, then what? We're, we're at the same spot we were last year. Everyone said I, no one expected last year to be as good as it was. No one expected 240 goal scores and Yossi and, and Saros to have the seasons they have. There was optimism heading into the playoffs, and then they got swept by Colorado, and the sky was falling, and the sun was never going to rise in Nashville again. Well, but it's that's a what I'm worried about happening a, again this year. I, I I hear you, but it's a different scenario. Like they are already the the organization has moved on to next year. New general manager. We're going to talk about the coach, but new everything for next season. Draft capital. They've sold all their best pieces. It's it is what it is. Mo, well, the the best tradable pieces. They they've moved all of them. So to me, there's no pressure. And you know what? Like, if they get swept, if this, if that, if this, if my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle. Like, you, you don't know what's going to happen in a playoff series. So you don't, like, what happens if they win, you know, in seven games and they beat the Stars? Like, who, you don't know this stuff. It's extremely unlikely, <laughs> but, but you don't know this They're stuff. They're not beating the Stars. Don't even, don't even go there. I, I'm, They're not I, beating the Stars. I'm just saying four points out of the playoffs with the the team you're chasing on a Saturday night at home with three games at hand and you beat that team all bets are off you're going for the playoffs I'm sorry I'm I'm sorry and you've got guys trying to prove here here's what the conversation really gets go for the playoffs I'm not discouraging going for the playoffs I'm just saying between the two options going for a higher draft pick realistically is the better thing for the franchise but I go for the playoffs I I hope they make the playoffs (laughs) I would I would love to see the smash car back it's one of the great traditions of this team Make the playoffs. Go for it. I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I am just also understanding. We, we did this whole conversation last week. Anyway, the key here is going to be what can you prove us? And we'll get to some of the players, but let's start with John Hines. Because Hines, to me, this is the most outside of does this team make the playoffs or not, which is what the fans care about because it's in the moment and we're looking at what happens right now. The most important question that I think is surrounding the entirety of the franchise. No, not how are you going to watch the games next year? No, not if they make the play. The most important question is, does anything that happens from here on out change the way Barry Trotz views John Hines' future? That is the question. If John Hines goes on to beat a bunch of these playoff teams, they beat the Jets, they go on a run, these young players develop, and we'll get to what it could mean for some of the young players who could earn their way into the starting lineup next year. Forsberg's back, and they stay healthy, and they win these games. Like, does it change the way we evaluate John Hines or more importantly, the way Barry Trotz, the future general manager, is going to evaluate John Hines? I think that is the most important question surrounding the entirety of the franchise. I don't think fans would want to see him return, even if they go on a run here. But there's a, don't tell me there's not a chance that he can prove himself to Barry Trotz, not the fans, but to Barry Trotz over the course of the final month and a half. Short of going on the run of all runs and, and getting to a conference final or a Stanley Cup final, I don't think there's anything that John Hines can do to win this fan base back over, if he ever had it at all. That said, I reported when David Poyle stepped down or announced he was stepping down and Barry Trotz was stepping over, I reported that you should expect a coaching change at the end of the season. And I still think that's going to happen. But something Barry Trotz said at his his press conference when we all gathered at Bridgestone Arena, something that he said made me think that there could there's a possibility that John Hines could maybe save his job. And the quote was, 
My assessment right now would be unfair because you don't know it until you own it. Not that many GMs that are coming in get that opportunity to evaluate and see from the inside, which to me is before I can make any judgments on anybody, I have to be a part of it because it would be really unfair. I've been coaching for a long time, so I know what a well-coached team is. John is a really good coach. The biggest thing for me is from now until the end of the season, I'm just going to evaluate because it's easy to sit up and watch and judge. It's the easiest thing in the world to do. But when you're with people day in and day out, it's way different. And that that plants the slightest little bit of doubt in my in my mind. I still got into my head. I'm still saying John Hines probably is getting getting fired at the end of the season, just because the unruliness from the fan base if it's announced that he's coming back is just going to be ridiculous. Plus, you're you're doing it. You're ushering in a new regime. You have a new GM. Why not start over with a new head coach? You're already getting new players, infusing new blood in the lineup. Like it just it just makes sense. But what that that quote that I just read right there, that makes me think that there's a tiny possibility. And especially if John Hines goes on a run at the end of the year, they knock off a couple playoff teams, they somehow get into the playoffs. I could see Barry Trot saying, I evaluated everything. I think John Hines has just had really bad hands dealt to him ever since he got here. And we all know the COVID stuff and everything. I could see Barry Trotz making a case for keeping John Hines for at least one more year and seeing what he does with maybe some new players, with a with just a, a new regime kind of running things and stuff like that. So I could see that happening. But if I if I had to choose, I would say it's probably likely that John Hines is looking for a new job next year. I I, I tend to agree, um, and I don't think a really good stretch at the end should change three and a half years or three seasons, three about four seasons, whatever the number is. I can't yeah fuck, fucking COVID whatever. And that's um, the thing we we had this discussion on on this podcast like a month or two ago when I put that story comparing John Hines and Peter Laviolette. John Hines was supposed to be an upgrade over Peter Laviolette, and the numbers said that he was worse. You can make the case that maybe they were equal in the regular season, but John Hines has clearly been worse than Peter Laviolette. I just don't see how he's had three and a half years to prove himself and he hasn't done it. Yeah. I, I tend to agree with you. I think Barry Trotz is such like an honest, authentic and like genuine dude that I could see him stepping in and just being like, man, they look at all these young guys that are playing well. Look at all these young players that he's put in the right positions. He was dealt a really bad hand because of, COVID, he was dealt a really weird hand because of this early, the short, the strike shortens or the uh, COVID shortened season. He was dealt a really bad hand because we traded all of his best players away and look at him. They're still winning games and they're still developing young guys and they're competing for a playoff spot. And I could see you, you just said it. Trot said, look, I see a well-coached hockey team. I, and it's, what's crazy is that <laughs> like, if they were to take you, so if they were to take Philip Tomasino, Tommy Novak, Cole Smith, you know, Cal foot, if they were to take these guys and go beat playoff teams and make the playoffs, that's as good an argument as John Hines could make to keep his job, honestly. And like, it's not what anybody's expected. You just laid it out. Like, of course, they're going to they could lose 16 games. <laughs> like you, the expectations are not high. And this is why I think if they make the playoffs, the, the fun of it is that there's no pressure. But I I personally don't think that anything should change in your evaluation. You have to look at the body of work, yeah. but I could see because of who trots is, I could see him coming in and watching them play really well and kind of being behind the scenes, watching the, the young guys develop because a lot of these young guys are earning spots on next year's starting lineup, whoever the coach is. Yeah. Like, like it doesn't matter. Like Tommy Novak is going to be on the, in the starting lineup next year. I, I mean, th this guy, 17 points in 13 games, he's on a 67 point pace. Like, give me a break with this guy. <laughs> like, like yeah. Duchesne had 20 against Chicago. Duchesne had 21-17 ice time. Tomasino had over 20 minutes of ice time. 
Tommy Novak was number three, almost 20 minutes of ice time. Cody Glass, almost 19 minutes of ice time. Glass and Duchesne were number were top two in ice time uh, against Detroit. Like the, the young guys are playing and performing. And, and I don't like, like we can kind of transition into who we think is going to, um, you know, make or, or who's earned their way into the starting lineup next year. I mean, obviously the, the Cole Smith, Colton Sissons, Yakov Trenin line, the new herd line was extremely productive against Chicago. Um, and I know you love anything. Anytime we say something positive about Cole Smith on the show, <laughs> I don't. I don't hate Cole Smith. I just I'm still <laughs> struggling to figure out why he's still on this team. That's all. Uh, well, they 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 all the metrics said they were the best line against Chicago. Like they they were very good. Um, but Tommy Novak, like, g- give me your top. Like Forsberg is back, so you probably have and Johansson. So you probably have a top line of. Some combination of Duchesne, Forsberg, Johansson, or is it Glass at the top? Like, is Glass earned a top six spot? Is Parsonen earned a top six spot? I don't think I would put Parsonen in that group, but you know, in general, Philip Forsberg, Ryan Johansson, and Matt Duchesne are three of them. Probably Cody Glass is another one. I maybe Philip Tomasino, and then who else? Like who who else has earned a spot in the top six for next year's team? Yeah. I... I, I don't think anyone else really has. Honestly, my top six, I would go just because they played so well together in the handful of games that they were actually all healthy and together. My top line would be Forsberg, Glass, and Duchesne. Forsberg and Duchesne play really well together. They're the kind of wingers that I think could make Cody Glass look like a really good top line center. They played really well. I, I don't know how many games it was. I think it was like four or five. They played great together when they were the top line for that stretch of games. I think Johansson, because you're paying him so much, and if he is back, he's got to be your second-line center. I think Philip Tomasino has proven himself that he he's thriving in a top-six role. Look, 15 games, three goals, 10 points. I mean, he's got, what, four points on the power play, three power play goals. He's clearly showing. He's doing what I think we all thought Ellie Tolvin would do for the last couple of years. He, he's being put on the power play, and Ellie Tolvin did for that one season, but he's being put on the power play, and he's delivering with points and goals. So I he, think He's on a 52-point pace. Yeah, I think you put Tomasino on the second line with Johansson. The the tough part for me is who plays basically who plays the left wing spot on the second line. I don't think Parsonen I think Parsonen can do it. I don't think Parsonen is your ideal second line player. I don't think Tommy Novak is a second line player. And look, Tommy Novak is playing lights out. He is killing it. He is having a fantastic season, a really good great stretch of games. 13 goals, 29 points in 35 games. He has definitely earned that's, a spot on this roster next that's, year. That's nuts. I, I just I don't think he the ceiling on him is not a top six forward. So I think maybe if you put him there, I mean, who knows? Maybe he turns into that. But I think he's more suited for a third or fourth line role. I I'd, honestly, I I don't know who would be that that other second line player. Luke Evangelista, I think it's just a little bit too early for him. So I want and I want to get your thoughts on what you've seen from from Afanasiev as well. But it, here's it's actually funny. What I wrote down was 95, 8 and 9 at the top. So that's what you got. Duchesne, Glass, Forsberg. Tomasino and Johansson with a big question mark on the wing. I've got Novak with Parsonen and a question mark. Maybe that's Evangelista. I don't know. And then it's Cole Smith, Colton Sissons, and Yakov Trenin. So what you're talking about is maybe you go out and get a free, maybe some free agent, some somebody cheap that's young that you want to try to sign and put in that slot. If And I don't know if they've got another guy ready. Again, like you said, Evangelista might not be ready. Um, I, again, I, I do want to know what you thought, what you've seen so far from Avanasiab. I, I don't, I don't know who's playing that winger on the second line. I don't know who's playing wing on the third line. If again, you're going to keep the Cole Smith, Colton Sissons, 
Yakov Trenin line together as sort of like the new evolution of the herd line. Uh, they, they could certainly be the fourth line, but Parson and Novak have, have earned a spot in this lineup next year. Parson and Novak, Tomasino, and Glass have all earned spots in this lineup next year, in my opinion, regardless of who's the coach. Oh, for sure. And I think this is what, as a fan, this is what you wanted. You wanted to see the young guys. You wanted to see what you have. Like Tommy Novak probably doesn't get this chance if they don't start selling off pieces because he's probably stuck stuck on the fourth line. He's he's moved up onto the third line, a little bit on the second line, stuff like that. And what I love about Novak is, like I, I said a couple of weeks ago, he's like a chameleon. Like he can blend in with anybody. He can play on any line. He can play. His game doesn't change at all. And I think that's something that's that's valuable as a centerman because no matter who the wingers are that he's playing with, it's going to be, you know what you're getting from Tommy Novak. And I think a team, a franchise that's in transition like this, that's a valuable asset to have as a, from a coaching standpoint of knowing you have a player that's not going to change no matter what. I just um, I don't I don't see him in a top six role. So I, that's the thing. I think they fill that other that other top six forward role either through a trade or in free agency somehow. And I don't think anybody else, although Kiefer Sherwood's having a fun time like knocking heads around. Um, Mark Kiefer Jankowski, Sherwood. Michael Man- Michael McCarron, it's which is good to see him back playing hockey again, which is good. Um, Asplund, our guy, Rasmus Asplund, uh, he's been playing. I. I don't see any of those guys being a, a second line winger. Um, maybe yeah. a third, maybe a third line player. I, I don't know. Um, but again, what what did you think of seeing Igor up up making his debut? Because Evangelista looked pretty, showed plenty of promise. I don't think, like to your point, I don't think he's ready yet for full time minutes, but has shown plenty of promise and sort of the reason he's regarded the way he is as a prospect. What, what about uh, what about old Igor? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I loved it. Look, Igor Afanasyev is one of my favorite, one of their, one of my favorite prospects. I've gotten to know this kid. I've interviewed him many times. He's just, he's one of those guys that's like always in a good mood. He's always happy. You know, you're having a bad day. He'll come over and tell you a joke and make you kind of laugh kind of thing. Um, so you just, you root for someone like that, just from who they are as a person. I think as a player, I, 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 and John Hines, look, he said when they, when they sent him down, they called it Michael McCarron. It was a matchup thing. They're like, we're playing Chicago. They're more physical. We want Michael McCarron because he's bigger. Dude's like six, seven. I get it. And he said, Igor Afanasyev will be back with us. And I think the great thing about Afanasyev is like, he played three games, four shots, four hits. I think he averaged around 10 minutes of ice time per game. That's, that's kind of the role you, you want for him right now. I would like to see, this is my personal opinion. I think Afanasyev with Trenton and Sissons, I'm not saying reform the herd line again, like the herd line's dead, it's over, let it go. But I think Sissons and Trenton and Afanasyev, that could be a great line. Afanasyev, I think, is 6'4", 215. He's a big dude. He's a power forward. I think I kind of said he reminds me a little bit of the way James Neal plays. I don't know if he's got 30 goal potential, but 20 goal potential, certainly. I, I think he's someone that maybe could, if he gets called back up again, maybe the matchup problems or whatever, if he gets called back up again, he gets four or five more games of experience. I think he has a legitimate case to make this roster next year because depending on who stays and who goes, he would he would ideally be a great power forward for the third or fourth line if that's still the, the direction you want to go. If, if I gave you like some sweet potato barbecue fries from Jaspers, would you trade that for Cole Smith? Like, would you give up Cole Smith for some for like a couple appetizers? If, I, you would trade anything on this planet to get rid of Cole Smith. I don't understand why you hate him so much. I would not trade Cole Smith for a fish sandwich from McDonald's. But you would, but you would for like a Jasper's smash burger. Oh yeah. I've had a Jasper's smash burger. They're, they're amazing. <laughs> that's the, no question. You're, you are doing you. Every time I mention a player, you're like, I think they would be better than Cole Smith at this point. <laughs> like it doesn't matter. There'd be somebody who's dead. 
there's probably a dead hockey player somewhere where you're like, yep, more productive than 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 Cole Smith. <laughs> did, did you did you see my my tirades on on Yannick Weber years ago? I like it was just <laughs> I don't think anything will ever get as bad as Yannick Weber. Look, I don't hate Cole Smith. Like Cole Smith is a fine fourth line player. I just don't understand his role in this team because his role in this team has kept some of these young guys that are playing now, kept them in Milwaukee. That's my issue. I don't have an issue with Cole Smith being on this team. I have an issue or I don't have an issue with Cole Smith as a player. I have an issue with Cole Smith being on this team, taking minutes away from younger players who have been in Milwaukee for a couple of years that deserve a roster spot. That's all okay. it is. Okay. Cole all right. Smith, all right. If you were listening to this and I've ever hurt your feelings, I apologize. It's not personal. It's you not are personal. a nice guy. I just, I just don't get it. Nothing we say on this show is personal until after you're traded. Then we talk shit about you. That's how this yeah. works. Um, then, we'll, then, then we'll, then we'll <laughs> talk about Nick Bonino and Ryan Ellis and all the weird guys that, that leave the team. Uh, we okay. can make an entire lame stream episode about all the yeah, players that have left predators and all their shenanigans all right so uh go to jaspers of course um we've got one more big topic here we're going to discuss the bally sports situation where we're going to watch this team the future of the organization or and and what it means for preds fans also i've got some tv ratings information that i think predators fans need to fully understand it needs to wash over them and sink in to just exactly what's happening in the market so we'll do that in just a second but you should go to Jasper's, everybody. Jasper's over on West End, free parking, great specials to watch Preds games. They are a great partner of your Nashville Predators. Also a great place to go hang out for lunch, great place to go hang out with the kids, great place on the weekend. It's just a great place. The game room is free. The food is great. The parking is free. They've got flatbreads. They've got appetizers that are amazing. They're great shareables. They've got so much good stuff. Uh, please go check out Jasper's. I know if you've listened to this show long enough, you know how much of a partner they are to the Nashville Predators. And welcome back for another year of supporting the Nashville Predators. Jaspers, back with us for a whole nother calendar year. So uh, we love you guys. We love Jaspers. We're glad to be partnered with them. Uh, now, let's get to some TV ratings and some some Valley Sports bankruptcy talk. So uh, with this whole Valley Sports thing, I've gotten a lot of questions about this. I'm sure you have too, um, about all this stuff, about what the future holds. Certainly there's, you know, depending on what streaming service, if you're a cord cutter, you've got a problem finding Valley Sports. You could find, you could order Valley, Spar Valley Sports Plus and get all the games. That has failed miserably. They are going to file for bankruptcy. Diamond Sports, Bally Sports, the whole package is sort of filing. I mean, for no bankruptcy. one wants to pay twenty bucks a month for Bally Sports, <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, and of course, if you can watch every game in the NHL on ESPN Plus, except for your home market team, because Bally Sports has complete control over the home market. Which again, I make sense. It makes sense if they are paying for all of this. Now, uh, the Predators put out a statement, of course, um, uh, throughout the course. I, be I believe it was a couple of days ago. Uh, quote, we expect Bally Sports to continue broadcasting our games for the remainder of the season, um, which is also what Diamond Sports indicated uh, this week as well. And I think what's interesting, Michael, is you, you sort of have to know kind of how the timing of these things work. Number one, the NBA and the NHL have already been paid. Those payments were, were made it, like months in advance for like the month of March and April, from what I understand. So like they've already gotten their 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 contracts. Now, the Predators re-upped their contract in, in the fall. And so this is not just a one-year deal, but for this season, all the games will be broadcast because they've already been paid for those. Now they file bankruptcy. The key here is the NBA and the NHL, from what I have been told, really want to make it work. They want to be on these regional sports platforms because, and we'll get to this, they don't draw ratings to be on their own platforms. Major League yeah. Baseball is in a very different situation. A lot of these teams make almost all of their revenue from their relationships with their regional sports networks, RSNs for short. And Major League Baseball season is about to start. So if there's no money to pay baseball teams and baseball's got an 80, 90, 100 million dollars, you know, salary 
And that's where all the money comes from. Baseball is trying actively to get out of this relationship with Valley Sports and RSNs and the different conglomerates that own these rights so that they can either self-distribute direct to consumer through Major League Baseball or maybe through a major media partner, you know, whatever, ESPN, Fox, whatever, but probably through their own network. But spinning that up in like two weeks before the opening of spring training is going to be very difficult. So what I think is going to happen is if you remove Major League Baseball and the financial obligation from Bally Sports, there's a lot more money to then invest in the NBA and the NHL who have vested interest in, in Bally Sports being successful or at least some form of some name of that version, you know, whatever. What did what did it used to be? I can't even remember what it used to be. Fox Sports South, I guess. Yeah, Fox Sports um, South and Southwest. What whatever it it they have vested interest, like they want to make it work. So the NHL and the NBA want to make it work. Major League Baseball wants to get out as fast as possible. Um, that's sort of the 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 landscape, from what I understand. And, and I've talked to some folks, not many people willing to go on the record with this stuff, but that's oh, nobody sort of, wants to go on the record with this no, because everything no. is fluid right now. And yes, from yes. from the people I've talked to, the the few people I've reached out to, um, my understanding is the same thing. Major League Baseball either wants to create their own version of Peacock where you can stream all Major League Baseball content on there or allow teams to create their own individual team streaming platform and stuff like that. That's probably a little less likely than a full scale Major League Baseball owned streaming service. But yeah, baseball brings in a lot more money than basketball and, and hockey does. It's just the nature of, of the sport. And ba Major League Baseball is at a spot where they can do that and be financially stable. The NHL and the NBA are not. And the Sports Business Journal, so I tweeted the other day, that Diamond Sports Group was going to file for bankruptcy March 17th. And the Sports Journal said that if that happens, all NHL broadcasts, including the Preds, could possibly switch over to ESPN. And the the excerpt I said I read said, of all the leagues, the NHL is perhaps in the best position in the in the event that Diamond falls to fails to carry its games. The NHL already has a deal that allows ESPN to carry out-of-market games on ESPN Plus. The league could fashion that deal to change and include the, the in-market rights to all those games, too. So it sounds like the NHL has a backup plan, but they are loyal to, to Diamond Sports. They were, the first, they were the first professional league to cut a deal with Diamond Sports. I think they want to make it work, especially what you said. If you can get Major League Baseball out of there and, and Bally Sports can put all of its resources and, and money and everything behind baseball and hockey, that benefits the NHL. So I think that's the, the first, that's the top priority is getting – Maybe not shooing Major League Baseball out, but putting more focus on on hockey and basketball. Well, they, they, it, well, Diamond and Bally has no choice. Like they're they're they want out. Baseball teams do because they they know what the books look like uh, moving forward. And what's interesting is like, and don't quote me on the exact number, but I I want to say like the Pirates get sixty million dollars a year from from to, to broadcast these rights. So they've got to figure out. And again, they're in a different situation. The Preds and the NBA teams and the NHL teams have already been paid, from what I understand. For the last month of the season, it's already happened. Because their payments are significantly lower than baseballs, is. and and because they're in the future, and we'll get to why they're so much lower <laughs> than baseballs in just a second. Yeah. Um. But like the Padres, I think are in on this. The Cardinals, I think, get like seventy or eighty percent of their revenue from regional sports networks, like baseball teams. That is that like they they have major issues. The question is, can like the Pirates, for example, spin up a broadcast streaming service fast enough to recoup sixty million? No, not in year one or year two. The key is. Are they investing in themselves long term? If all of a sudden by the year three, they can make as much money on just self-distribution as they were going to make from a, a regional sports network that frankly may not exist at that time, they, they, they're okay taking a couple of years of losses financially to set themselves up for the next 10 or 12 years 
of self-distribution. But that is because people watch baseball games, <laughs> especially in markets like St. Louis and Los Angeles and even Pittsburgh, where they're not, Atlanta. they're kind of, they're kind of a small market team. Like th- they watch baseball. Here is the most important thing that Preds fans need to know. And frankly, you Nashville SC fans need to hear this too. I'm a season ticket holder to Nashville SC. I love Nashville SC. This is, I, I, I got, I've gotten TV ratings basically from the start of football season to about the Masters every single year, which lines up pretty tightly with the NHL season, the Preds regular season. Preds postseason games, especially on the Stanley Cup run, in the Stanley Cup championship, they rate pretty well. Like, they they can pull some actual numbers once they got to the Stanley Cup. <laughs> uh, like, the championship uh, in terms of um, the, the entire sport. And w- what is interesting... I'm going to pull up the the numbers from just last year. Um, last year, the final second to last week of the regular season. So pretty critical stretch of hockey for Nashville Predators. Try to make a push and make the playoffs, right? They're in the playoffs for most of the season. They, they floundered in the last week, but this was the week of March 28th to April 3rd. So I think it's the second to last week of the regular season in, in the NHL last year. The final four, North Carolina Duke, huge matchup, pulled a 13.7 last year. A 13.7 is on par with your average college football game of the week on CBS. It's about 10 points below what a Titans game pulls. Titans games pull about 22s and 23s. uh, And each rating point is worth about 11,000 TV homes in Nashville. So a 13.7 during that week was number one most watched game, most watched sporting event in Nashville that week. Kansas Villanova, the other Final Four game, pulled an 8.2. So now we're talking less than 100,000 people watching the Kansas-Villanova game. The women's NCAA championship, South Carolina and UConn pulled a 3.2. So now we're down to like 35,000 TV homes watching the women's Final Four or the, the national title game. Number four on that week, NASCAR's Richmond 400. I don't even know what the hell that is. A 2.9 rating. Now we're talking 30,000 TV homes. PGA final round of the Tex- the Valero Texas Open on a Sunday, 2.4 rating. 2.4, that's like 25,000, uh, roughly 25,000 TV homes in Nashville tuned into that. You know what you didn't hear there? A single Nashville Predators game or either Nashville SC game for that week. That means less than 25,000 people or 20,000 20, homes are watching regular season Predators home, home games or road games. They're, they're just... They don't rate. And I know Preds fans want more coverage. They deserve more coverage. It's a professional team that's been pretty good for a, for a long period of time. But like, <laughs> if, if very, very, very few people are watching these games, more people are almost going to the games for Nashville SC and for the Preds that are actually watching on television, which I think, I, I think people would be blown away by that. Never, never, ever, ever. In Nashville, is it acceptable for more people to watch cars drive in a circle than to watch the Predators play hockey? <laughs> that, that's that's all I'll say about that. Like, and look, as reporters, we hear this all the time. We want more coverage. We want more videos. We want more features. Like, I, I get that, but this is why this is why the Tennessean or whoever any other local news outlets don't pay for a beat reporter to travel with the team. If you're complaining about the lack of coverage. This this explains it right here. And I was told when I was at the Nashville Post that it wasn't in the budget for me to travel with the team. And I get that. Like, it costs a lot of money to book flights and hotels and all that stuff and pay per diem and all that. But th- this is exactly why. If you're if you're getting 
17,000 fans to the game on game nights and there's only 20,000 fans tuning in to watch TV, to watch it on TV, that's not really a big part of the market when you're considering overall the population of Nashville and the surrounding areas. Like it's, it's, it's one of those things where I think, I don't know, it's, I have many thoughts on this and it's hard to to get them all, all straight and stuff like that. But it's, it's very disappointing to hear that the PGA and NASCAR and stuff like that is outdrawing the predators in Nashville. That's just very disheartening to hear the following week, which is I think the last week of the regular season for the predators, which would have been pretty important last year, all four rounds of the masters, the, the national championship game in college basketball was number one on a Monday night. And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the four days of the masters were the top five most watched games most watched sporting events of the next week, which I think was the last week of the regular season for, for, for the Preds. Now I think the best the Preds have ever done. Don't quote me on this. Cause I just sort of like p- pulled it up, but I think Nashville pulled a 16.3 for game two against the Pittsburgh Penguins in the Stanley cup, which I think the, the, the highest one ever, I believe was a 16.5, which was the game six against Anaheim to win the Western conference. And again, a 16.5, every single Titans game would beat that by a pretty large margin. And that was yeah. the game, that was the Western Conference Stanley Cup clinching game. And every regular season Titans game beats that by a pretty big number. So I just I wanted to just again, that those are just some perspectives to put out there that regular season NHL and MLS games in this market that are both professional teams do not rate on the TV. Like again, golf and racing will beat it routinely. And so I think this is why the NHL wants to make it work with Bally Sports because they know they don't have a lar- a massive audience to sell to to Bally's or to Diamond or whoever's going to buy the rights. And so it wouldn't be a huge burden financially for ESPN to be like, yeah, we'll take care of you guys from now on. Um yeah. and, and, but but I think the all streaming stuff we're still a little bit I still think we're a couple years away from like self-distribution or ESPN being full-scale streaming and removing themselves from cable bundles you know that kind of stuff i think we're a ways away from that but it could be coming and it's because frankly there's just not enough people watching mls like apple's doing a great job with their mls package i i love it as a fan of the team uh, and frankly bally has gone the opposite direction <laughs> they're not doing it very well um I, I don't know what the future holds but i think for the short term everybody's okay i think for this season everybody's good oh yeah like, like you said, they're, they're going to get through the season. They're going to get through the playoffs. Like, yeah. I think it, that's all taken care of and scored away. Next year, especially with, with Diamond going for bankruptcy, who knows what's going to happen? I think yeah. it would be I think it would be great for the for the NHL to to work at a deal with ESPN to broadcast all games, get rid of the blackout restrictions, in-market, out-of-market, whatever. I think it would be great if that happens. ESPN has to invest the resources into getting people that know the sport because some of the broadcast teams they have now are laughable. Some of the people they have doing analysis don't clearly don't know the teams. They're they're handed a stat sheet before the game and they try to memorize that before before the broadcast goes on. I don't know if they would keep all the regional broadcast teams. Like I don't know if, if ESPN would bring on Chris Mason and Willie Donick and keep them as the broadcast team there or how that all would work. But if that does happen, ESPN needs to invest the resources and the money into getting quality broadcast teams of people that know the teams that they're talking about and stuff like that. Because it clearly, when you're watching an ESPN plus broadcast and you have some of the, the people that are talking, I don't want to name names, throw anyone under the bus, but sometimes they say stuff that it's just, it just drives you crazy. Cause you know, it's wrong. They, well, they're not they on the, beat. the player, stuff like that. It's just, it, you gotta be, have a better quality broadcast. Well, and they're not on the beat. Like that's the thing. Like they're not yeah. on, on the beat routinely. So, um, 
we shall see. I just wanted to kind of lay out the so, so it's a very complicated like I'm I'm in the weeds on this like media rights stuff. I'm fascinated by it. You guys know I actually ha- we, we have an entire podcast uh, about media, lamestream sports. We're efforting uh, some of the guys that are reporting on this stuff to come on and explain all of this. So hopefully we'll have one of those episodes coming up. Uh, by the way, check out uh, our, our latest episode on Friday with Bob Mendez, Councilman Mendez, who is anti-Titan Stadium. So those are the kinds of things we talk about on that show. Um, and I, I'm obsessed with it all. I'm obsessed with where it's going, where technology is going. Obviously, we believe in digital production and and, and the digital model. That's why we've got this company and why we've got this show. And I think it's what serves Predators fans best right now are products like this. And so I, I think it, it's not the future is going to be there. You're going to be able to watch the games. Hopefully it's all super easy for fans, but it, it's not a huge like not making a ton of money for valleys it's not there's a reason they're bankrupt (laughs) yeah you know what i mean um so we'll see what happens uh moving forward otherwise huge game against the jets on saturday huge stretch of hockey for this team we'll be back next week happy saint patrick's day of course happy birthday to my brother um go to jasper's support local business as usual uh and michael gallagher for hanging out with us here on the pod where can people find you man where can people find you tweeting about things that piss people off yeah, you can find me on Twitter at MG Sports <laughs> underscore, and I'm going to start writing again. I just switched new jobs, but you can catch my writing on Broadway Sports now. There you have it. Also a partner of the 440 Sports Network. So check it out. We do appreciate you guys for hanging out with us. Rate, review, subscribe. Again, we're going to learn a lot on Saturday night against this Jets team. We'll find out a lot about John Hines. We're going to find out a lot about these young players, and it's okay. Don't let Michael discourage you. It is okay to root for this team to make the playoffs. It's I okay. said to do that 10 it's minutes okay. ago. Root for the it's team. Okay. It's okay. Uh, For Michael, I'm Braden. Thanks for listening to us. This has been the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network.